1: Welcome to Q&A with Nurses on Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle. Today, I have with me a special guest to help us out with the question and answer session, Nurse Tori Jensen and Nurse David Wayne. And um, Tori comes from a background of telemetry and Nurse David Wayne comes from a background of psychiatry. So they have their own unique Insight onto things going on. And they can tell us a little bit about what they're doing right now before we get into the QA. But today we're going to be addressing the questions that our listeners have sent in and express an interest in learning more about. So there's uh, various sundry topics going on. And if you have questions or comments for the nurses, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing in the front lines of healthcare, send them to us by sending it directly to nurses at americaoutloud.com. And welcome to both of you. Before I start reading something that some people have sent in, just give me a quick background um, so they'll know that you are Tori, the whistleblower for what you did and that both of you have lost your jobs over these COVID-19 vaccine mandates. So just do a quick thing about each of you. Go ahead, Tori. I'll let you go first.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited about this. I just love sharing this information with people who, who need it. Right. Um, my, my, Background is I'm a registered dietitian turned registered nurse. So I worked in the hospital since I right out of college. So over 15 years um, as a clinician. And then 2021, my medical exemption for the COVID-19 vaccine was denied while I was at work on a COVID unit. Um, and so I was escorted out by security and some of you may be familiar with that video, um, because I didn't leave. I was, I was not going to leave without someone explaining to me why my religious, uh, beliefs were my religious rights were being violated.
1: Good for you. And that is going to be, she's going to be part of a case that is suing Kaiser around 400 nurses that are going to be suing Kaiser over there very likely from the constitutional side that your constitutional rights were denied. Absolutely. Yeah. And she also works in the weight um, management. How how would you say it? What's the official term?
2: Weight, weight loss, hormone balance for women. So when I left the hospital, I started a business. And so I'm on Instagram and that's where I do all of my content and, um, you know, get clients from. And so helping women to battle the weight loss, specifically hormonal uh, weight gain, uh, so that's been a really that's been a great
1: treat. Yeah, and we will make sure that both these nurses' links will be in the show notes if you want to learn anything more that they're out there talking about. And then Nurse David, tell us about you. You, um, a quickie on what happened, how you got affected by the vaccine mandate, and found yourself in a new life.
3: Yeah, hi Michelle. So uh, I have a background in inpatient psychiatry. I worked there for ten years. And so some of the hardest shifts I ever worked were around the topic of informed consent. It was, does this person have the right to refuse to have this needle put in their body? And so when my hospital came out with an extremely heavy-handed vaccine mandate, I reacted strongly to it. I opposed it from the beginning very publicly and loudly and was terminated in November of 2021. And as all the unvaccinated staff predicted, a a complete staffing crisis ensued. My hospital had to bring in uh, National Guard who were unvaccinated. They brought in a federal DMAT team who were unvaccinated, all while saying to the public, uh, there's nothing to see here. We, We made the right choice. Our staffing's fine.
1: Yeah, crazy stuff. And now you are doing what now that you're not nursing in psychiatry?
3: Yeah, so now I'm a a certified primal health coach and I'm helping people avoid and reduce their use of psychiatric medications instead of helping get them on them like I did as an inpatient nurse.
1: Yeah, the evolution of what's going on with everybody who has been purged, let's say, out of the broken system is now actually probably closer to walking in your true calling than that you probably ever thought you were like they it was just the launching ground where we started to where we are now that we're actually getting to fulfill ourselves and doing the things that are making probably even more impact than uh following the hospital protocols and getting everybody their meds delivered to them on time
3: yeah absolutely absolutely
1: yeah so today i'm going to start off audience reading a wonderful letter that came to Nurses Out Loud. It says, um, hi nurses, I listen to your program every day for all the wonderful information and stories you talk about. I am looking for advocacy suggestions in the event we have to go to the hospital. My sister and I are 80 and have nobody in case of emergency. Is there an advocacy agency that we can contact for help And we live in Southern Massachusetts. Thank you. And I love your program and grateful for all the info. And that's Lane Z, -Z L-A-I-N-Z-E-E. So thank you if you're listening um, for sending that in. And we want to make sure that you do know that Remnant Nursing is actually providing that exact service. So um, we will put a link in the show notes to Remnant, R-E-M-N-A-N-T. And if Nurse Kimberly gets to jump on today, I'll get her to do a quick little spiel about that. But you can go to remnantnursing.org and you can definitely find yourself. We actually recommend that it is in your best interest to get yourself an advocate at the bedside, especially if you're hospitalized. Um, We addressed that on a previous nurse news analysis when we addressed the congresswoman who was the first black woman nurse congresswoman. I'm not sure which one she was the official first, if she was the first black um, Congresswoman, or if it was the fact that she was also a nurse, but she was a nurse. And sadly, her death occurred, and it appears that it was by nurse neglect right here in this last year. So it's very tragic to think that this failing medical system, uh, Her she had a loved one at the bedside, and it was not enough to keep her safe from medical neglect in our present circumstances. When you have the largest me- exodus of health professionals in the history of the country, it is not the ideal time to be signing up for a volunteer surgery or anything voluntary. The only reason you need to be engaging in the hospital right now is you have an emergency like Nurse Michelle had when she broke her hip back in October of 2023. The last thing I wanted to do in a blue state (laughs) was end up in a hospital that um, I knew was hyper vaccinated. And y'all all know what happened there. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, because God certainly opened up opportunities there that were just unbelievable. But uh, here's another letter also from a listener I want to read um, and I'll let y'all launch with one after that. I'll probably let you go next, Tori, with your pers- with um, the topic on Ozempic. Um, this one is to Nurse Michelle, thanks for the great podcast on DEI in medical facilities with Kimberly and David. Who Nurse David, who's here with us today, she's commenting from that one on America Out Loud, my daily must visit website. Love the way you said you don't look your diagnosis. Thanks for encouraging. And I thought that's funny that she liked that because I guess she liked it because the goal is, is that you're walking in your joy. You're not letting the, medica- the medical problems that you have define you and that they emanate from you. That I like that people don't, they don't they're always shocked when I tell them that I have these 15 diagnoses in my body. Um, because sometimes they try to remind me that they're there, but my goal is to, to keep them suppressed <laughs> without drugs. OK, but go, moving on, thanks for encouraging people to question and speak up. This morning, after scanning a few headlines from the news, I felt that I was watching this great country crumble to pieces in real time because of the corrupt politicians. I was wondering if I should pull out the few dollars from my account and say, and move to somewhere safe, and where would I go? (laughs) Thanks for all the freedom warriors on America Out Loud, which gives me hope if this group of fighters and believers would stand up to tyranny and pray for God's forgiveness. So thank you for sending that. I don't have a name attached to that one, but you know who you are out there listening. So it's encouraging to hear that we're uh, inspiring people and that they're getting stuff from the content we're sharing here. So Tori, you have something on in your niche that is involving Ozempic and that is making a lot of news today. So what do you have for us?
2: Well, I I get asked about Ozempic all the time because whether or not you guys know it, you probably know someone on it. There's probably someone in your circle that's taking it because what's happening is people are going to the doctor and they're often not even told what it is or the they're not really given informed consent. And I don't think the doctors are even really um, aware of the the negative effects, the, the side effects that it potentially have. So Ozempic is a medication that came out for diabetes management. Um, and it really helps to increase your body's uh, insulin production and helps decrease your hunger. Uh, So it really helps with weight management and it helps with overeating, right? Carbohydrate consumption, that's going to cause high blood sugar. Um, But it has a lot of negative effects as well. But because of the weight loss uh, benefits of it, uh, a lot of people are using it off label for weight loss. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot of problems with that in general, just because it's being misused for people. There's lack of access for people who actually are on it for um, prescription, from their doctor uh, but there's also another a sister medication that's used specifically for weight loss you don't hear as much about it but it's called wagovi so ozempic wagovi those are like the two main ones um and the the reason like the it increases your insulin decreases your appetite okay so you basically starve yourself so why is this a problem well if you lose weight and your blood sugar numbers go down why is this a problem well you're supposed to be on it forever there is no exit plan And that's a problem. It's about $20,000 a year to be on it. Um, and, and that's if you don't have any irreversible health concerns that come out of it. Right. I mean, because what we're hearing is people are the mild symptoms are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. Okay. Because it's actually slowing the, your, the peristalsis or slowing the digestion of your food through your body. So you feel full. And so it turns down your, your impulse to eat. Um, But what's happening is the, the, the terrible side effects from it are things like pancreatitis, um, uh, stomach paralysis. So gastroparesis, thyroid cancer, uh, kidney problems. Those are the, those are the bad ones that no one wants to talk about. And a lot of times irreversible. So I actually have a close family friend right now. Sadly, her doctor put her on this medication for blood sugar for reasons. Didn't tell her about all the other things. And she's in the hospital for pancreatitis and this is her second admission. So she was not informed of they just, you know, because people trust the medical community, which comes back to your advocacy. It's like, we really need advocates because everyone just says, yeah, family members, tell me what you want to do. Like, okay, whatever the plan is, we're all on board, whatever the doctors and nurses recommend.
1: And it's scary because they're not giving the whole story
2: and they're making a lot of money.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole subject of informed consent is uh, it's almost like the world really doesn't care about being they don't even understand the concept of informed consent. If my doctor prescribed it, it must be fine. Seems to be the going mantra. And I'm amazed at the nurses that I know. I think you said this was a nurse that will also go ahead and take medications without doing their own research themselves on something they're about to put in their own mouths as well. There, it, it is a global problem with us as a culture. I guess it's been inundated into our brains over our generation. What do you think, David? David.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm always amazed at how trusting healthcare professionals are when they're the ones on the front lines that should know better about stuff like this. Like we we've been in the business. We've had uh, we've given patients medications that have been pulled off the market later and then we find out, "Oh, wow, the manufacturer really knew about all this stuff and then and then covered it up." And it we should we should all uh recognize the red flags, we should all be aware of the disinformation playbook that pharma has been running for decades and decades. And and uh, you, you have to be aware of these patterns and these frauds that get repeatedly pulled in order to provide informed consent to your patients.
1: Yeah, I want to always just keep ingraining the statement into the audience's ears that every drug that ever killed anyone was first FDA approved. So I, I guess that that broad sweepingly, if you're making your own drugs in your backyard, of course, that is not the ones I'm talking about. I'm <laughs> talking about the FDA drugs that have been approved out there. All of the ones that ever did great damage and had massive lawsuits, they were first approved by this same organization that we're trusting. Now, I want to go back to you on something, Tori. You were saying all this, this sad, hard truce about Ozempic, but because you work in the weight loss industry, tell me what you think is the better options for these people that they could choose instead of the easy button of popping the pill.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I will tell you the, the doctor, Dr. Uh, Fatima Stanford, she is the newly appointed as of last year um, obesity expert. Okay. For the NIH, she is largely, she's taking large amounts of money, Uh, from pharmaceutical industry to push these medications. She went on 2020 and said, if you're fat, you're screwed. Basically, there's no hope for you. There's really, there's, you know, it's, it's genetic. There's nothing you can do about it, but we know that's not true because just a generation ago, we didn't have the obesity crisis we have now. It's just not true, but people are saying, Oh good. At least they're, you know, it's not my fault. And I'm not saying it's your fault if, if you're obese, but there's, you know, to, to put to put this in perspective um, it there's reasons for it. Right. And so to just say, Oh, it's not, it's, it's no, there's nothing I can do. I'm just going to take this medication for the rest of my life um, is bad information. It's, it's negligent and it's not the truth because I have clients that are morbidly obese who lose weight when they understand how to fuel their body. And that's really, that's what I recommend. Now to go back to Ozempic too, they're now recommending this for kids. So this is terrifying. Imagine if your body's still developing at 12 years old and they say, you know what, cause they're, it's 12 and older. They're recommending this for, you know, you're, you, you have diabetes, you're type two diabetic, you have metabolic disease. We're going to put you on this medication and you never come off of it and you have gastroparesis, you have stomach paralysis, you have thyroid cancer. You, I mean, it, we can't even imagine the fallout from this and this and the vaccines to me are like, and the opioid crisis are just, they're all entwined. So what my clients do that, that what I recommend my clients do is to focus on building muscle. Now, if you are taking Ozempic, like if you're listening to this, I'm sure there's a few of you out there, you really need to focus on. Building muscle to fight back against the muscle wasting that's happening from basically starving yourself with this medication. The reason it works is because you're just not eating. And so you end up becoming cachectic. You're like a malnourished person. Um, so building muscle and get in a get with a nutritionist that's going to teach you how to fuel your body, how to balance your blood sugar. So if you do decide that you want to come off of this, there is an exit strategy
1: for you. So that would be my recommendation. That is wonderful. So when people want to look for a nutritionist, where do you recommend they go? Call their local hospital? What do you how do how does one find one?
2: Well, you could go on Instagram. There's lots of us out there. Um <laughs> <You> <laughs> that's where it's forward. crazy. That's right. Forward. The internet is crazy and that's what's so fun. I work with clients all over the country. Um but you really want to be careful too because there's a lot of people who don't have great information that are just like, "Well, this worked for me" or you know, they're make they're just, it's a money, it's a money grab. Yeah. You could call your hospital. Doctors should be able to give you a good reference, but a lot of them can't. And that's a problem too, right? So you go to the doctor and instead of them, you, so you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, you have diabetes, um, and you're overweight and they should be addressing all those issues because they're reversible with nutrition and lifestyle, but instead they're giving you medications and they're saying, make sure you take this and over oh, upping our, do- your dose on that and try to lose some weight. Good luck to you. You know, and that's what, that's, what's happening. So a lot of them don't even have a good reference for a dietitian or program, but you're, you keep pushing them then they should be able to help you or your, um, your, uh, your insurance should be able to point you in the right direction too, for something that's covered.
1: Okay, so um, the average American gained about 30 pounds during COVID. So if you're out there feeling like, I want to lose a little bit of weight, you are not alone. There is a majority problem that did put on that extra weight. Is that because of stress? Is that because of everybody became less active and didn't get outside? There's probably some great studies that are out there or some skewed ones that are probably out there as well, trying to talk to us about what actually went down to contribute to that. But it was I had not been a person who really gained weight most of my life. And COVID, I certainly gained for the first time the most I'd ever gained in my life. I gained—I actually did gain the 30. And lost it last year doing a vegan diet. And, a, and I actually finally owned a house with a pool and was able to get the exercise. I have a rare um, genetic disorder that is... Um, connective tissue, Ellers Danlow, and I have to exercise in water. So I finally had that water and it just changed everything for me. So I think these are wise pieces of information. I'm so thankful you shared that with us. Now, David, you had something that uh, he got to be with us on Nurse News Analysis back on February 15. And we actually brought up some topics about Miralax, which is commonly prescribed for uh, constipation and is prescribed in children and in adults and the elderly so everybody gets told to get it it's if nowadays instead of going to go get a colonoscopy and being told to get drink all the giant gallon of crap they used to make you drink now they're telling you to get hyperhydrated and take your miralax to uh, a large volume of Miralax to start emptying you. So this is this is definitely something that's affecting a lot of people. What did you have that was a follow up, David, from our Miralax conversation?
3: So it had been a couple years since I had done any reading on it, and and uh, we talked about it the other day, and it piqued my curiosity about what the developments were. And um, I I read something about uh, the theory of a possible mechanism of injury for. Miralax, the active ingredient is polyethylene glycol. And the theory is that it degrades into diethylene glycol or ethylene glycol, commonly known as antifreeze, which uh, uh, is horribly poisonous and um, is is very neurotoxic. And these parents who are seeing these uh, personality changes in their children, it might be because the Miralax is, is degrading into essentially antifreeze. And, uh, I'm not saying that that is, uh, proven or established, but, um, the, the issue is that, um, there have been red flags. The FDA was foia and had to release information that they have actually a lot of data that polyethylene glycol is hurting a lot of people. And so they commissioned a study again, 10 years ago, and they're still in the recruitment phase. They, they haven't done it yet. And, uh, um, it allows them to keep this narrative going, oh, there's no proof of that. And that should always be something that pikes up the ears of nurses. When you hear there's no proof of that, uh, don't assume that they've looked. In fact, often you should assume that they're intentionally not looking. Another case where this happened and there are ongoing lawsuits regarding this, this is what it immediately made me think of, was Zantac. So Zantac was pulled off the market in 2020 and none of us really noticed because we were all dealing with COVID and we didn't have any time to to look into it. But um, the information that's come out since it was pulled is just uh, absolutely damning for the FDA and for Glaxo, the company that brought it to market back in the back in the 1980s. And there are so many parallels to the covid vaccines. You really um, you, you really get the sense that this has been going on for decades and decades. And that was something that uh, was kind of news to me. I thought this was kind of a, I thought that these frauds were kind of newer. But the, the Zantac case shows that um, they've been doing it for far longer than that. What yeah. happened with Zantec was uh, Glaxo their their scientists internally noticed that it degrades very e- easily into MDMA which causes cancer it's so good at causing cancer it's literally what they give lab rats in order to induce cancer for study so uh, they noticed this they covered it up and they released it on the market and it was an absolute blockbuster in fact it could be called the the original uh, blockbuster first medication to have a billion dollars in sales a year consistently. So it, it was making money for, for them hand over fist. And, uh, what happened was some, uh, independent labs kind of, uh, were, uh, um, suspicious that it turned into NDMA and Glaxo went after them. They went after them where they worked, they smeared their credibility. Uh, just like Merck did with Viox, and just like what happened very recently to Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Pierre Corey, Ryan Cole, uh, they, they, when doctors notice something that these companies know is true, they still go after them and try and destroy their reputations. So... Um, gl- Glaxo changed the color of Zantac from white to yellow because when it breaks down, it turns yellow. That helped them kind of obfuscate the issue for a long time. And it ended up being a compounding pharmacy here in the U.S. that was doing some internal quality control that notified the FDA like, hey, this this medication, like, under completely normal temperatures and conditions is turning into NDMA. You should check this out and do something about this. And uh, a year or two went by and the FDA did nothing. And so they they had to reach out to them again and really force their hand in order to get it pulled off the market. It was on the market for almost 40 years. Oh and it as it turns out, it looks like Glaxo knew the whole time. So there are lawsuits that are ongoing right now today about it. They're in, they're in various parts of the country and various parts of the legal process. There have been some lawsuits that have been thrown out because the judge says, well, yeah, you had uh, bladder cancer and that's definitely associated with this drug, but you can't prove it was from the drug and not from something else. So, you know, lawsuit gets thrown out, but, um, Hopefully, wow. hopefully this lawsuit gets to the point of discovery so we can really dig deep into into what Glaxo knew back in the day and hopefully uh, um, give some people some amount of justice if they got cancer from it, but also but also hold some people accountable, something that's always uh astounding to me is that, um, is that um, we kind of uh, villainize these companies like we villainize Pfizer, or we villainize Glaxo or we villainize Merck when most of the people who work at these companies are well-intentioned and they're doing their job and, and they're trying to do good in the world. But all it takes is a couple people in key positions and we know who they are and they decide to do things like obfuscate cancer risk lie about cardiac side effects that sort of thing and then all of a sudden you have unknown amounts of people of people dying
1: yeah, it's a reminder to anybody out there in the audience, if you have a, you stand a chance to be an undercover spy inside of those facilities, because you're one of the good guys, you know what's going down, you may have witnessed something, it's time to record things, it's time to get data and collect it, because there's going to be litigation coming, and the COVID Litigation Summit is coming up in March of 2024 in Las Vegas, and we definitely want to get our audience aware of that to get the lawyers there as soon as possible, Because the more of our lawyers that are out there that are family lawyers um, out there getting informed how they can actually litigate for what's been going down and and start winning some money for the people and start taking away from these money hoarding companies, it's like a John Grisham book that you're sitting here talking to us about. And we'll pick that up when we come back. We're going to need to cut for an intermission for our sponsors. Don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all the products that make it possible for us to bring to you these wonderful Q&As and shows on our network at, and we can get these products to you at a discounted rate, including the Nurses Out Loud sponsor, ASEA. Check out ASEA's Powder Dietary Supplement Performance Packs. ASEA redox cell signaling molecules are not only natural, but redox molecules are native to your body. Check out the variety pack with redox energy, mind, and mood, which includes um, which includes 10 of each of those flavors. And my 16-year-old son loves using the mind powder drink when he's stuck having to cram for a test at the last minute. And he loves to have the energy drink from Asia right before he goes off to play a basketball game or a a baseball game, just to give him that extra boost from a natural product because when you feel strong, you are strong. Use promo code Out Loud to save 15% off your purchase. I'll catch you on the other side of the break. Stay with us. It's time and this
4: is
1: Asia believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel and be our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health, regulating hormone balance, supporting gut health, to soothing the skin, even reducing the appearance of wrinkles, fine lines, and cellulite, and providing targeted support for mind, mood, energy, and even our body's own production of collagen. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in becoming your best self and fulfilling your greatest potential. Asia, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today.
4: Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. HealthyCell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code
5: OUTLOUD for 25% off. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill. No drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com.
4: When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at americaoutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud talk radio. Liberty and justice for all.
1: Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
5: Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at
1: all fine natural retailers.
5: Welcome
1: back to Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio with Nurse Michelle on Q&A with Nurse Tori and Nurse David answering your questions. Um, Before we get... jump back into the questions, I wanted to remind everybody that our shows are always gone to podcasts within 25, 24 hours of being on radio. So anytime you um, want to just get this to be able to share content, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the links to these shows and they're easily shareable in a text. And you can just say, Hey, you got to check this out and drop it because the majority of the world is not getting access to uncensored news and they may not even know americaoutloud.news exists. So it's up to you all to do that. Now, Nurse David, before we let off, was talking about Xantac, And I just want to say that I was that patient that was a Zantec patient for many years I because I have the ehlers Danlow type 3, which is a hypermobile uh, thing that goes on my body. I was always very flexible and very inner. I probably would have been a great gymnast and I'd have even worse joints now if I'd done it. But um, one of the problems is that your esophagus that goes down into your stomach is actually uh, what happens is your diaphragm, it goes through your diaphragm also. And when you have ehlers Low, your stomach actually can slip right up above the diaphragm and up into your chest cavity And you have a stomach that's not supposed to be above the diaphragm, kind of floating above it, which needless to say, can cause acids to reflux up your esophagus and cause all these problems for you. And it started during the time I had my twin boys and when they were little babies. And I thought, if if those babies don't go to sleep, am I ever going to make it through the night and add to it nausea in between from all this reflux? It made me run to my doctor. And what did my doctor do? And what did Nurse Michelle do? Like so many of you out there do? I He said, oh, you need to have Zantac to help you with that reflux. And you know what? I didn't read much on it. I did a quick skim of what it said. I trusted my doctor. My suffering was so much by that point that I finally gave in to go see the physician because I was struggling with two little people. And I ended up pregnant pretty quickly around that time too. So it was just like, wham, bam, just so much going on. And I started taking my Zantac, which if I recall, was safe to take during pregnancy. So that child got exposed to it as well. And to think that uh, anybody out there that falls in that category with myself, that you took that medicine, you know how much it really did help you. What did you really want was for your suffering to end. And now you have all these risks associated to being poisoned by this NMDA breakdown um, from the drug. They didn't pull it off the market for nothing. It's off the market people. So now people like myself have to look at other products and trust other products. But the ideal is that Nurses Out Loud is going to do what we can to get people on here to show you there is other ways besides these pharmaceuticals to treat these kind of conditions because we all want to have the suffering relieved from the complication that you may have in your body. And we want to find the most natural way to do that. Um, You were mentioning that David also that regarding the DEI initiatives, I'll let you um, define uh, what DEI means to the audience in just a moment, but questions are coming in from the medical staff that's out there saying with these DEI initiatives coming on at hospitals, how do you respond at a meeting to share your name and pronoun? They're asking you to do that. You're in staff related meetings and you're not even comfortable in this kind of setting. How can you handle a situation like that when you're still working inside the hospitals that are using these initiatives?
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, one quick point about Zantac. If you go to your local pharmacy, you might see boxes on the shelf that say Zantac. That is a different active ingredient. The active ingredient that was pulled in 2020 was uh, ranitidine, so that's the one that can easily degrade into NDNA, NDMA, and cause cancer. Um, as for DEI initiatives, I have I have been in this situation. I've been in meetings where uh, the meeting host says, "All right, we're going to go around the room and share our names and our pronouns," and and um, I. I Again, I come from a background in psychiatry, so there there have been lots of things uh, around diversity, equity, and inclusion in my neck of the woods for a long time that have kind of, uh, um, let's see, uh, gone against everything that we know it in psychiatry for a long time, so uh, it's never been something that I'm comfortable or on board with. And uh, I've I've been put in this awkward position before and responded in different ways with varying levels of success. So I guess the worst way I ever responded was when I was completely off guard and just sat there in awkward silence, like, wait, what? No, I... mm, I, I feel like, uh, my, my personal opinion is that it's a form of virtue signaling, like, Hey, are you on board with this ideology or not? And and I'm not, uh, but, uh, you also have a lot of, um, peer pressure and you don't want to be, people are kind of, uh, people don't want to be perceived as bigoted or transphobic. That's kind of the, that's kind of the way that they're, um, coerced into participating in things that they might not be comfortable with. So, um, It feels like
1: high school all over again, like becoming more and more juvenile. Like I almost wonder that the culture has changed so much since our parents, my parents are in their seventies, graduated high school, that something is changing the way that the adult, these young adults are coming out into the world, or maybe it's happening at the college level, some kind of failure to launch and appropriately grow up that you have to have all this, like you're saying, virtue signaling behavior in the workplace when once upon a time, like who would ever say, my name is uh, Nurse Michelle. I am a, I identify as a woman. I mean, everybody could just look at me and know as a woman, you never had to say that I was a woman. I never had a meeting where anybody didn't look like, I like I couldn't tell what their gender was. You know, it's, yeah. it's like everything that's so practical. That's so logical. Like I'm looking out the window, I see an orange sunset. That's an obvious fact. It's not a question. I'm looking at you at the table in this meeting. There are there are two women in this meeting and a man in this meeting, and we are not questioning whether or not there's a gender confusion here. Now, nor do us nurses va- invalidate that there are people like I was a labor and delivery nurse. There are children that are born with what's called ambiguous genitalia. Those children have a legitimate right to be completely confused, obviously, about their gender because. Their parents had to make decisions and calls at a very young age to try and make the best medical decision to transfer them into whatever sex that the doctors advised. So if the doctors advise poorly, these people are in bad situations. And we know that we've got vaccine injured people. We know that we have multiple um, vaccines that have fetal uh, embryo, uh, fetal cell lines in them. Some are from female fetal cell lines. Some are from male fetal cell lines. Now we've got so many vaccines going into our kids in the population. It's very possible that there's an alteration going on inside of people that's starting to change what's going on. And that's just one. That's I'm counting about, what's being added to the food supply that could be impacting our kids' hormones.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm Generation X, so when I was growing up, we were told sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And now we are encouraging youth to constantly outsource their emotional well being to the validation of strangers, and it is an absolute disaster. We in psychiatry know better, and I can't believe how on board uh, we've been with this because we are just uh, we are just nurturing distress for these for these youth. And um, so the best way that uh, I've had in responding to the sharing your pronouns in a public setting question is I just turn it into a joke. And I say something along the lines of I'm David, I'm a nurse and I'm comfortable with using, with you using whatever pronouns you want for me. Usually the beard is a giveaway, but you're not going to hurt my feelings no matter what you call me. And uh, that's, uh, I've, I've never gotten pushback from that. I've never had somebody call me transphobic or anything. I just try and, uh, uh, be, um, not be hostile about it. Just turn it into just turn it into a joke. Maybe a little self-deprecation. I, I've been called ma'am. I can't even tell you how many times because I'm a male nurse. I get I get misgendered probably way more than the uh, than the average American. When I would go out to breakfast after a night shift with all my female coworkers, the waitress would come up and go, "Hello, ladies," and you know so. Uh but <laughs> I was trained not to outsource my emotional well-being to, you know, what a stranger. a stranger says about me. So, um
1: I love that perspective. That is really a a valid point um that to and to make a joke that that may be the way to save yourself and a lot of stress and just um do it do it David's way. That sounds like a great situation to pull. Tori, have you actually felt like you've? Uh, did y'all face DEI issues before you left? Did you start? It, it them? was start. It was starting, yeah, uh, right before I left.
2: And in fact, I did my education modules for you know your yearly, your annual education that you have to do that HR comes up with, so that you're they can say they educated you to not say things you're not supposed to say and offend people. Um, and the day before I got fired, I finished those modules and there was a ton in there on how you shouldn't discriminate against someone's religious beliefs. And there I am. (laughs) I was laughing. I was just like, this isn't real. This isn't real life. This isn't happening. This isn't America. And I'm losing my job because of my religious beliefs. So no, I, I, I do remember though, we would have, we would have patients who were identifying differently. Uh, than their assigned, you know, their gender assigned at birth. And I always just abstained from saying their name because I knew I was going to get it wrong. I knew I was, and I didn't want to offend them. Right. But it just seems like we're set up for failure, whether you say it right or say it wrong. It, and there's kids that, when my kids were in public school, they're homeschooled now that would switch from day to day. And if you didn't say their appropriate whatever they were that day, then you were offending them. It's such a silly game.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and nurse Tori lives in communist California.
3: I sure do. She
1: she probably is aware of more of this kind of stuff going on. David, where are you? What city are you in? I'm
3: in, I'm in Wisconsin. So, uh, we were a little late to the party with (laughs) DEI stuff, but it, but it did eventually show up.
1: Yeah. Y'all all had to teach me what DEI was, uh, before I found out. So I'm in Georgia But after everyone explained to me what it is, I'm like, oh, yeah, I understand that's what's going on. And it's what's facing my, I have several adult kids. So my adult kids are facing that in their workplace right now as well. So Tori, you had something that you wanted to share with us about what was going on with Tucker, Tucker Carlson interviewing the Surgeon General of Florida, Lapido. Um, and here we have the mainstream media that's bringing something out that would seem like what those of us on the fringe have been saying for a while. But when you start hearing it in the mainstream media by the big guys, I guess you could call it, um, it's a it's certainly validating. But let's hear what you have there about that.
2: OK, if you guys are not following Tucker's current uh, st- interviews, you should be because he's been fire lately. He's always fire. But specifically, there's one on Ozempic, which gives a great like deep dive on that. So what we were talking about earlier, the weight loss medication uh, there's one on the border crisis and some interesting crossover there with, um, this is not a promotion for Tucker, but I've just listened to them and they're amazing with interesting crossover as to why maybe uh, there are so many Chinese illegal immigrants coming into our country and China did not receive the MRNA vaccine. Super interesting. What? They received, I didn't know that either. Yeah, this is Brett, his interview with Brett Weinstein. And so he's just like, we have to, at this point, we have to ask the questions. And so then recently, I don't know if it was yesterday, it was posted yesterday or the day before it's already been taken down from YouTube. Tucker Carlson interviewed the surgeon general of Florida. Um, His name is Joseph Lapido. And he was very clearly in, in like plain layman's terms, explaining how the mRNA vaccines contain DNA um and most vaccines do to contain fragments remnants of dna but most vaccines don't have the ability to usher that dna into your cell but because the mrna that's how it works it is like the dna is hitching a ride on the n- mrna going into your cell and potentially changing your genetic code or your dna i have a short clip on it um if you if you would like to listen yeah let's hear that OK, so that was me giving like the quick and dirty version, which he gives earlier in the interview. But this is him going back and forth um, with Tucker. So let me know if you can hear this.
4: It's conceivably possible that the mRNA vaccines change people's DNA or could.
0: It's absolutely possible. I mean, we wouldn't I wouldn't have issued this this call to halt their use if that was wasn't possible on a factual basis. It is. Absolutely possible. There's, there's zero question about that. Now, the real question is whether it is happening, if it is happening the degree to which it's happening, the location of affected cells and the potential for that to cause, whether it's cancer or heritable characteristics, or that is to say that, is it affecting things like people's, a woman's eggs or a man's sperm such that it could be passed on? Or whatever else it potentially could be causing, but it absolutely is a possibility. There's zero question about that. The well, real question is whether it's a possibility worth investigating. The obvious answer is yes, even though the FDA and Dr. Paul Marks, Peter Marks, pardon me, wants you to believe that the answer is no. Well, that would change humanity if that were happening forever. And frankly, just considering the the Frankly, the evil frequency from the beginning of this pandemic, the, you know, the lockdowns, the forcing people to stay at home, the not having people, allowing people to say bye-bye to people they love, just all the horrific things, the firing of people who you know, stuck it out during the pandemic but then passed on the, on the vaccine after, after the vaccines were available, all the evil that has defined the frequency of policies during this pandemic. Sadly, I mean, I hate that that is is a possibility, but sadly, I would not be at all surprised. In fact, I think it's probably likely that that is in fact happening.
1: Very troubling uh, words to be heard. I mean, to even say that it changes humanity forever. It makes you see that you had for those of us who were the holdouts who said, no way, Jose, we weren't going to have anything to do with this thing. And we just knew we weren't going to have anything to do with this thing. It shows you just like the um, dating site, Unjected Official, they wanted to secure the future of their own eggs and their babies and their children. They did not want to risk whatever this mystery was getting put inside of them. So um, that that's pretty disturbing. Did you have anything you want to share about that, Tori, after sh- saying that? Or did you feel like you got to tell us? And I see David does want to. Yeah, no, that's, that was really it. Troubling. What do you have to say, David?
3: I just want to call out the pattern here uh, as we were discussing regarding Zantac and Miralax is when you hear the manufacturers say, there's no evidence of that. That doesn't mean it's not happening. That means that... Uh, they don't want you to, that means that either they haven't done the studies themselves or they've done them and they're now covering them up. It doesn't mean that it's not happening.
1: No, I mean, it's so troubling to bring up the point that he brought up earlier on the first half of the show that Miralax, they know something is wrong with it. They started a trial and they've taken 10 years to gather recruits to be in the trial, that the absurdity of that is so unbelievable, but so revealing, like you're saying, David. Now, Nurse Kimberly, uh, I had a question for you because er, we earlier read a person who was saying that they had been listening to our nurses' show and they were concerned about upcoming surgeries as elderly people that are 70 and 80 years old about how they can get an advocate at the bedside and their actual, you know, how do I get an advocate at the bedside and I told them earlier that we could get remnant nursing is definitely all about that. That's what it is. And they are in Southern Massachusetts. What do you recommend for them?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Um, yeah, absolutely. We can, we can work with them at remnant nursing. So we are a private membership association we are completely outside of the public domain. Um, you can go to our website. It's remnantnursing.org. Uh, we do have nurses in. uh In many states, I believe we have some nurses in Massachusetts as well, much of our care is done virtually and our advocacy is done virtually as well but it's $30 a month to join. I always recommend that you join uh, the PMA and then just do your first consultation with, with your nurse. So that we get all of your information into the system, your, your all of your medical history, your medications, all of that information that we would need in the situation where an emergency arises, many times you are behind the eight ball, time is of the essence. So it's very important that we have all of that information uh, ready in case we need to go to bat for you. Um, so I do recommend doing that thirty dollars a month, and then your initial consultation. And if a situation arises, you would simply contact uh, our organization, and we would set we would set that advocacy service in play for you.
1: Okay, that's what we want you all to hear is we want you to have yourself an advocate at the bedside. Now we were discussing the some questions that people have around the keto diet. And we've discussed alcoholism and how it is possibly having a a curative benefit when it comes to diet. A diet can actually help a person that is an alcoholic and that epilepsy has some history in that. And I wanted Tori to address that because she's so um, into this niche. What would you have to say about the epilepsy and alcoholism when it comes to these diets?
2: Well, this is the first I've heard about it being helpful for dependency, which sounds amazing. So a brief kind of like overview of the keto diet and what it is. So your body has two energy sources that it can use effectively. So you're either using carbohydrates for energy, which is what we do most of the time, or your body in a state of starvation switches over to using fat for fuel. And so you can be in ketosis. You can't really be in both at the same time, um, but your body can switch back and forth. And I think God made us this way for periods of starvation. Okay. Which, so you can go, let's say you didn't have access to food for a a day and a half, your body would now kick over into ketosis and you're burning your stored fat for fuel. So this is great. A lot of people use it for weight loss, right? And you eat a high fat fuel food uh, diet and you eat low amount of carbohydrates. So it doesn't kick you back into regular burning, regular fuel, because this just shows you um your body wants to use sugar like it's it's its preferred source when it has enough it'll it'll flip you back into that using those carbohydrates immediately so back in the i think it was the 30s i don't know maybe it was the 50s when they started they and i'm not sure how they started using this in the first place but for kids with epilepsy so seizure disorder um because when you're in ketosis your body is running off of ketones so it is in your brain is very um a lot less excitable. So it really helped with the management of the, the seizures, which a lot of times is just, you know, a lot of rapid fire and I'm doing a bad explanation of what a seizure is, but The the ketogenic diet allows your brain to have less activity in that way from the sugar because it's using the ketones for fuel. Um, And so that's the benefit. So my guess is that it's a similar type of benefit for for addiction, but also because when you're in keto, when you're in ketosis, you don't have high and low blood sugars like you do when you are um, using carbohydrates for fuel. So your blood sugar is a lot more stable um and that's going to help with cravings that's going to help with um and like when you have uh your dopamine as well is affected by um by your your blood sugar levels and what makes you feel good so if you're in ketosis you're you're kind of like this all the time and you feel much better i definitely could see that as an adjuvant like way of helping with uh to manage disease
1: yeah okay anybody else want to weigh in on that before i wrap it up for the day OK, so um, I want a lot of people are asking about all the viruses that are going around. I want to remind everybody how important it is that you have in your home, especially for your vulnerable people, especially for your COVID vaccinated friends, uh, that they have one percent povidone iodine nasal and oral sanitation in their home because at the first sign of a civil snivel, a cough. Any kind of silo, scratchy throat, you need to be spraying that in the back of your throat or gargling, and you need to be um, taking it out in the back of your nose because flu, COVID, RSV, all of these things replicate in our upper airway, and we can do something about it. So don't get caught by this, um, any kind of respiratory thing going around. We're almost to spring, but for those of you up north, you're going to have a little bit longer duration on these respiratory viruses traveling around. And if you do not have a nebulizer, please get yourself a nebulizer, get yourself some sterile saline from Amazon. And if you really want to take it up a notch, get yourself some Lugol's iodine. I'm going to be having on the show, Dr. Brownstein, who is a expert on iodine as well. And he wrote a book, if you're out there with a Hashimoto's and you've been told you're not supposed to have iodine, you need to read his book to make sure that your doctor is actually well-informed because it may be a good chance that um, you might learn something that you need to bring to your doctor and see if iodine is actually your friend. So iodine, Lugol's iodine, you can get that on um, Amazon as well. And I tell people, you know, just like Dr. Brownstein does, if you are starting a virus, you've just gotten really exposed to somebody, somebody hacked lung all over you. Get yourself a nebulization out that night and put a drop or two of Lugol's iodine in your saline and nebulize that and just inhale it while you check your Instagram and you are probably effectively taking it out before it even gets a chance to get a hold So, um, and obviously on America Out Loud, we've got supplements that are available that you can look into too, but I'm a big fan on Dr. um, Dr. Zelenko's Z-Stack because it has everything in it all in one bottle. But we'll talk about supplements on an upcoming show. I think today that is a wrap and thank you nurses for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Well, that's all we have time for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can also catch the Encore at 11 p.m. Eastern. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you Because we are nurses, and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Michelle, and you can find me here every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Remember, we are in a war for truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. Until next week.
4: It's time and